Hey guys, before we get into the episode, it blows my mind that we're launching another podcast. And this time, I actually want to feature you guys as a guest. Now, if you're a six-figure entrepreneur who has your own podcast and you listen to the show, I actually want to interview you on our brand new podcast, which is called Six Figure Podcast Rebels. You just need to go to www.top100interview.com and you can apply to get featured. All right, guys, back to the show to and and then it it doesn't look great it doesn't have good engagement and stuff like that um so so that's a cool one we're actually launching one right now have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and thought wow i really thought i'd be further ahead by now if so you are not alone i've spent the last two years traveling the globe looking for the answers the problem is it's fear of failure that was holding me and so many of you back I realized that no one was telling the real story of entrepreneurship. So I flew to the US, decided to face my fear and go all out to build my million dollar business completely from scratch. But the real question is, how will I do it? Join me on my journey and find out as we build our online tribe and share the internet's top marketing secrets. My name is Jamie Atkinson and this is the Entrepreneur Junkie Movement. What's going on, Entrepreneur Junkies? Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Junkie Movement Podcast. You're here with me, your host, Jamie Atkinson. And today, I've got another amazing guest on the show for you. My guest today is an investor in startups. He's a lover of books. He's the founder and creative director of the App Guys. And an interesting fact is he's also the number one fan of The Office. (laughs) My guest today is Logan Fields. Welcome, Logan. What's going on? Hey, thanks for having me. Just working, man. Dude, I love that. And, uh, you know, welcome to the show. And, and really, uh, all I want to talk about today is, is Michael Scott. And uh, if you're cool with that, then I'm cool with that, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. So you like, you like the US version better than the UK version? I actually have a, have a love for both of them in a separate capacity. Cool. Because my girlfriend's yeah, actually American. And, uh, and I tried to get her to watch the UK office with me. And she just <laughs> doesn't understand the humor. And, uh, and you know, for, and you'll know, and for anybody out there who hasn't seen the UK office, Ricky Gervais kind of plays like the UK version of Michael Scott and his sense of humor is cringe to the max, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty funny, but yeah, I actually love both. And, and, and I'm a big fan of the U S office as well, but we're not here to talk about the office. We're here to kind of dig into you, Logan. And, and I'm actually really interested to talk about your story because, you know, before we got Great. on this episode, you were telling me about all of this crazy stuff, like how you're investing in these startup companies and you're working on all these cool and crazy apps. But before we get into all of that, um, some of my audience won't know who you are. So can you just give us a little bit of an introduction and tell us a little bit about your story about how you got started in all this? Sure. Uh, so I went into business about five years ago, but before that I was in ministry, I was a youth pastor and I was making 36,000 a year with two kids and a wife, uh, no benefits. And so I was poor. I was really poor and it, it was just time to move on. And so I started a company, the app guys, while I was still in ministry, uh, in order to be able to, cause I was poor, I needed money. Right. And, uh, yeah, that is how I got into business. Now, the way I came up with that concept was I actually, uh, started my own app. I had an idea for an app and I went through the process of getting it developed, raising the funds for it, 
all of that. And through that, I just, I saw a hole in the market that uh, for app development. And so I started the app guys. What was the app Logan that you made? What did it do? It was a prayer app and it went nowhere, <laughs> but that's okay. Cause I had no marketing dollars. Right. Mm. But I learned a lot about the, well, audience targeting, how to hire developers, how to monetize apps, all that good stuff. So I'm guessing since, since that kind of started, things have been going pretty well. And um, so what was the kind of natural progression after you got started with your first app? And then you, did you go for a, a business partner or did it just kind of grow from there with uh, clients? Sure. So I am the sole owner of the app guys. And I, only, I only asked because it says app guys. So I wasn't sure if there was another person behind the scenes. Well, there are a lot of people. We have about 25 people on staff. So they, they count too, right? Yeah, 100%. Uh, um, but, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's me and we've taken no outside money. We're starting to have people uh, want to give us money, but we don't really need it. But I'll tell you kind of how it progressed is we, we went full-time in business. And initially, I made a lot of money right away. And so then I was spending too big, too quick, right? I was buying $200 shirts, taking friends to Brazilian steakhouses like two times a week and paying for everyone and just stuff that you shouldn't do right away. You need to prove cash flow before you're spending like that. And then the cash flow didn't just magically repeat. And so then I got super poor and uh, that took about a year to recover from just learning to how, how to prioritize cash flow, um, how to go after the right projects, all of that good stuff. So, so it definitely wasn't rosy the whole time. And within the, like the last three years, we've started to really hit our stride and get to those bigger projects, get to better cash flow, learn how to click in our marketing, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and kind of a lot of what we talk about on this podcast is some of the challenges and the things that you go through along the journey, especially with, you know, startups and businesses. So when you, when you have that moment where, you know, suddenly everything was amazing and you were spending all this money and then suddenly it all went to shit, what, what kind of thoughts were going through your mind and, and how did you stay focused in those moments, even when you've gone from such, you know, great success to then back down to where you'd been at before? Yeah we got to this point where we were like late on rent about to get evicted had credit card debt and no money i didn't have a salary right because i was working for myself and we had 40 dollars in our bank account and three-year-old kid one-year-old kid so not even enough money to pay for diapers and formula and we actually we wound up having to move in with my in-laws for a year which is exactly as fun as it sounds like, right? Um, and there's, there's this point where, and I'm just, I'm just giving you the honest answer, man. There's this point where like, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out how to click things in. And I'm up at like 2 a.m. one morning. And for some reason, I'm alone in a dark living room. I, I don't know why the lights weren't on. And I just, I was like, God, you have to do something because I cannot figure this out. And honestly, after that, part of it was he just put his hands on things and my mindset shifted uh, was definitely a part of it. And I started thinking in terms of the long game 
instead of short-term returns and doing just regular follow-up and targeted follow-up and targeted marketing. And, and so it was that process of being, being poor and just getting to the bottom and stripping away some of the layers of, you know, thinking I was some kind of badass just because I had made a little bit of money in the beginning and being able to strip that away so that I could see business clearly, right? And not come to the table with so much pretense, but learn from data and experience and mentors. And then my, my whole business ethos started to reframe. And it took time to get some traction, but that was kind of the, the jumping point to where we really started to see real traction and growth. That's crazy. And when you talk about, you then start to focus on the long game because I mean, yeah. that is so important in business because everybody is so about now and the money they can make now and the, and the short-term rewards. What, what kind of changes did you then make in your business, which, you know, that physically changed the process to be more about, you know, thinking about the long-term effects? Um, well, one of the big things is I got more picky with my clients, with who we took on. Um, and a lot of that had to do with raising our prices. So it's not necessarily that I was saying no to a bunch of people, but I just, I filtered out certain types of people um, or the likelihood of certain types of people, of more difficult people by raising our prices. Because the thing about apps is they're big projects. It's, it's not like a Wix website. They're giant <laughs> six month long or longer projects that involve a half dozen people or more um, and there's going to be bugs and there's going to be hurdles and they're just big daddy projects. So you can't be dealing with people that are paying you five grand for that um, because typically they're undervaluing you or they're not experienced enough and they're getting frustrated about things that are kind of normal in the process. So playing the longer game, I raised the prices, which meant, a little less cash flow in the beginning because it took time to get to the right people. Um, and then also on the investing side is something we do a lot where we will invest in client projects. And this year we're investing like a quarter million dollars into client projects. And that is a long game, right? Because a lot of those are, well, first of all, we have to build them that takes six to 12 months and then they have to cash flow, which takes a while. So, so, but thinking in terms like that, and for example, the investment side, that will be our biggest upside over 10 year arc. Our investment side will by far make us the most money. Yeah, that's really exciting. And I actually want to dig in a little bit more into the whole uh, startup investor idea and, and what you're doing with that. But just before, um, I just want to talk a little bit more about that, that process you went through when you started to charge more. Um, mm -hmm. What was that like? Was there any elements of sort of doubt in your mind? Because I know I speak to a lot of entrepreneurs and, and when we ask them about charging more money, a lot of them feel like they can't charge more because they don't, you know, they've never done that before and they don't have right. experience. And what was that like for you with that process of deciding when you wanted to charge probably not a little bit more, but a lot more? <laughs> uh, well, right. So, so I was asking for down payments that were like the size of my previous annual salary. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of crazy. So, so yes, it was 
there was doubt and, and it was a, a mental shift because also you, there's a little bit of a chicken and egg issue, right? You're an agency. You, you have to start somewhere. So at some point, every agency that charges high dollar, high ticket uh, sales, at some point, all of us had no portfolio to back us up, but we still had to somehow make the sale, right? And we had no portfolio. We had no testimonials. Uh, we had no multi-year history. And so that, that can be hard. Um, but as far as the process, it was just, I kind of get, I saw the data, right? Like I look at companies, I know that they're charging hundreds of thousands and sometimes even millions for what I'm doing. I saw what competitors or who I wanted to be my competitors. They didn't even know my name, but I knew their names. I saw what they were doing. So I knew just statistically it was possible. It was happening. The money was out there. Um, and that's kind of what helped my confidence is looking at the data. Yeah, no, I really love that as well, because it is so much about, you know, pricing for your market. You know, if you're selling eggs, well, you can't suddenly start charging $30 an egg because everybody sells them at, you know, way less than that. But if somebody right. is charging that much, then, the, then you can charge that much. And then that's so important. I'm just curious, what, what was that first sale like, Logan? Do you remember it? The, the first oh, my goodness, a lot more? man. So it was for, it's, it's it's an app called the Butler and they, this was like five years ago and it's a delivery app for anything, right? So you want pizza and sushi, you put it in the app, they'll bring it to you. I've heard um, of this app. This app is like cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. It, it is cool. Um, and they're mainly in Texas is their biggest concentration. I, I'm actually not super familiar with all the inner workings of their operations, but um, so the first check I got was like 14 grand and I had never seen, and that was before I raised my prices a lot, a lot. I had never seen that much money in my life. So I go, you know, we have the meeting, I get the, the first check and I get in my car and I don't know, man, it was like something etched in my soul. I don't even watch Kung Fu movies or say this phrase all, ever but just like out of my soul i screamed i'm a ninja like <laughs> alone in my car it felt amazing yeah oh i love that i love that it's great that you can kind of like bottle that feeling and it, every time you talk about it it probably takes you back there but uh yeah. we all have those moments right when we get that that first big sale which feels amazing so <laughs> i, I want to know like what's some of the cool apps that you've worked on because i bet you've worked on a bunch of different ones yeah, and, and none of them are like giant, right? like Uber or anything. They're, a lot of them, they're like regional apps um, or, or business apps, right? Like stuff for internal business use or external business use. Um, let me think here. Uh, the Butler is a pretty cool one. Uh, there's one called Muse, like M as in Mark, uh, Muse Magazine and beautiful design, cool, cool content inside of mobile. Cause a, a lot of mistakes, a lot of people make mistakes in mobile content. They'll take regular content that is not sized for mobile or laid out for mobile, like a magazine or whatever. And they'll just try to drop it in. 
to and and then it it doesn't look great it doesn't have good engagement and stuff like that um so so that's a cool one we're actually launching one right now called charged and i can only i can talk about it because we're like launching now but a lot of stuff that's in development i can't talk about because it's under ndas until they launch but charged is an electric vehicle charging mobile electric vehicle charging service so because what happens is a lot of even high income people who own teslas and stuff well in in big cities those high income people are they're still living in townhomes and apartments and they don't necessarily have their own driveway with their own charging station and so they can order the charging service for their cars to come to their apartment or their work and on a subscription and charge that their cars. That is cool. I love that. I, lo- I love the, uh, and the reason I ask about like the cool apps you're working on is I imagine that there's a lot of innovators in this space with cool and interesting ideas. And, and, and those ones you've just mentioned are all kind of sounding like that. Like, you know, people that think outside the box, I think usually are designing these pretty cool apps, right? Well, yes and no. So it's honestly, it's not mo- more about the idea. Um, it's more like anything, it's more about the execution. So, so give me a good entrepreneur that they're a good executor and their idea is a pet rock app. It'll make a million dollars because the entrepreneur is good. Um, so it's really more about the entrepreneur, honestly. Yeah, we can build an awesome app. We can help with the monetization strategy and that that's important, but it takes a good entrepreneur to connect with a good monetization strategy too yeah 100 percent. it's like anything in this space right and uh yeah. so i love i love all that stuff with the apps logan and i want to dig in a little bit into this kind of startup investing idea so because you know when you talk about investing in, in companies everybody will jump to thinking about angel investing in silicon valley yeah. but what you're doing is a little bit different right so do you want to just tell totally us different. about what a startup investor is and how you kind of came across the idea uh i have no clue how i came across the idea I just started doing it. That's my honest answer. But here's the structure that I'm using. Uh, So when I say startup investing, I I don't mean Silicon Valley unicorn billion dollar companies. I mean, six, seven figure pre-revenue evaluation startups, small things, usually funded by an existing business that's starting something new or a high income earner uh, that has an idea. And so what I will do is I will, let's say an app is $75,000 and that, that's my sticker price. And I'm not, I'm not going to give a discount is part of my ethos, by the way. So, mm-hmm. so if I quote you 75,000 and you say, can you do it for 60? My answer is no, it's 75,000 because we're awesome. We'll, we'll yeah, launch your I app. Right. And I don't say it like that though <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in the sales meetings. Um, get out, (laughs) but by the way, just along these lines, as far as high ticket stuff, I, I prep, I prime people right away and I let them know because I'll give them a range on the phone. And then a couple days later, usually we give them a firm quote. I'll let them know on the phone. You can expect us to be in the mid to higher range of the people quoting for you. So they already know that I know I'm expensive Mm -hmm. and I'm totally expecting to be a higher price than a lot of people quoting. And then they go, Oh, whoa. Okay. Um, but anyway, so my structure 
is let's say it's a $75,000 quote and we're, we're typically trying to operate in 40% net margins is the goal. But what we'll do is I'll, I'll say, all right, are you interested in a part cash, part equity quote? If it's a good concept, a good entrepreneur, at least hopefully a good entrepreneur. I'm not doing a ton of heavy betting. I'm not like hiking Kilimanjaro with these people and spending weeks with them. It's kind of a gut read, to be honest. So there's, I, I understand there's a certain amount of inaccuracy when I'm doing this in that read. But anyway, we'll, I'm, I'm hoping they're a good entrepreneur. I think they could be. It's a, it's a solid enough concept. It'll, it should cash flow well. Uh, they're not laden by other investors, stuff like that. So then I'll offer a part cash, part equity quote. So, so then it'd be like, all right, I will, I will invest, Logan will invest 45,000, you invest 30,000. And so it'll be that kind of thing for typically five to 20%. And so part of this strategy, by the way, is obviously I'm using my services, which I try to be better and better and better at. So it's, it's real value. I'm using my services as the investment capital, which means from an investment standpoint, it's super cheap money, right? I'm investing 45,000, um, but it's through discounted services. So it's very yeah, this, cheap money. This is yeah, really smart because, because it sounds like what you're doing there is basically like they're paying the 30K, which basically covers your costs. And that sounds like it's more or less your break even point. And then the extra 45K that you're investing in these companies and, and that money is hopefully going to grow before you get it back out again. Is, is kind of like zero risk, right? So even worst case scenario, if the company goes you know, bankrupt or you don't get your investment back out of it, well, the only thing you've lost is that, is that profit you would have had on the job, which you know, granted is money, it's $45,000, but it's, is that kind of, that, what it sounds like is a really smart kind of proposition. Yes, yeah, exactly. And by the way, I am honest with people. I tell them, I tell them look, on our first rodeo, I'm gonna try to get my costs covered on the cash side. So I'm super transparent with people. They know, they know what I'm doing. They know what's going on. Um, the upside though for them is they do have more access to me, mm. not uninhibited access because people are, you know, calling and stuff all the time. Um, but they do have more access to me because my team, I don't, I'm not dealing in the day to day of app development. There's stuff going on with three apps that we're launching today that I don't know about. I'll hear about it in a report on Monday probably. Um, so that said, they're dealing with my staff a lot, but on the invest on the business side, business development, marketing side, they have more access to my consulting basically. So that's an upside for them. But yeah, part of this strategy working is have a high dollar service that you can discount. Uh, don't do it on every deal though. Mm. And for the strategy to work, you have to hit a critical mass of deals. So in our projections, basically what we anticipate over a 10-year arc is out of 10 investments, which we want to do dozens a year, um, but out of 10 investments, seven apps are going to bust. They're going to go to zero, two will break even, and one will be the sugar daddy. Mm -hmm. 
So you do have to have a critical mass of deals for that to work. Yeah, because if you have like 20 deals and only one of them hits, then it's not going to work. But if you've got 100 and, you know, nine to 10 of them hit, then, then you're good, right? Yeah, exactly. No, and on some of these, I also take a royalty so, so that we're not getting all complicated with the financial structure. I'll say, all right, I'll take 10% equity and I, will, I would like that paid out as a 10% royalty on gross revenue. Yeah, so you're not just waiting on, you know, the, the, the sell rate and, and this kind right. of ever-looming, never-ending kind of end sale, which I guess sometimes can be difficult because if you're the investor and you want your money back, but they don't want to sell, then, you know, I imagine that can be sometimes hard trying to push for how to get your money back out. You have to really think about this kind of long-term game and not need that cash, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I, I love that. And I, I love the way that you're strategizing and, and doing that. And um, it sounds like you're doing great with it, Logan. One of the things that, that I'm always really interested in, because it sounds like you guys are absolutely killing it with the app guys and with everything you're working towards. And you've got these amazing investments, which, which I know that's gonna, that strategy is going to pay off um, in the long game. So what's one of the big challenges that you're facing in your business right now? Um, so it would be, I guess you would call it cash flow. In not in that we're not making enough in a year, but in that our money comes in windfalls. And most of our money is inside of like two quarters of the year. And because we're only five years old and we keep upping our price so much and therefore changing our, the type of apps we're doing and stuff, what we're doing is not super predictable on the cash flow side as far as the, the quarter to quarter year to year we're projecting uh pretty accurately so so what we're do what we've done though is we're now to adjust that um and have a little bit healthier month to month cash flow is we've added marketing services and we took our time and we made sure we got really good at marketing and that's how we're adjusting that Interesting. Yeah. Cause that gives you that you've got that in-house ability then to have a little bit more predictable income month to month. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. No, that's really smart. And something that I kind of like to ask my guests, and this is kind of a new feature is just like four kind of really interesting quick fire questions. So uh, are you cool to answer those? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. So what's your favorite business book? Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And uh, are there any entrepreneurs you're following or studying right now? I'm, I'm really liking Gary Vee more and more. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, for me, he, my, I kind of ebb and flow with interest with him, but I always come back, which is always good. And yeah. uh, what's your favorite online tool to grow your company? Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, if you could take yourself back what do you think the 20 year old Logan Fields would want to know from his future self? <laughs> Man, I wouldn't be able to talk to the 20 year old Logan. I'd just slap him. In. <laughs> I had a feeling you might say something on the lines of that, <laughs> but yeah, just to, just to make it kind of valuable to the audience. Is there any, yeah, all right, any okay. like, uh, <laughs> cause I do like that answer. <laughs> um, play the long game. Think in terms of decades. Think in terms of 10-year stints, not weekly stints. 
yeah, that's that's amazing advice. And uh, and it's funny because you hear it a lot, but there's very rare amounts of people who actually plan and make strategic decisions in their business based on the long game. And it certainly sounds like that's what you're doing in your business, Logan. Logan, it's been a blast having you on the show, man. I've really, really enjoyed listening to your story. And I'm sure a ton of the people that are listening to this podcast will have really enjoyed it as well. If somebody wants to kind of follow you and find out more about the app, guys, where's the, where's the best place for them to go? Sure. Well, the best place to connect with me is loganfields.com. And uh, you, you can definitely get to the app guy stuff from there, loganfields.com. That's amazing, brother. And uh, any, any new projects on the horizon? Yeah, but I can't tell you about them right now. Ooh, I <laughs> Sorry. Like I like it. So guys, you need to make sure you head over to loganfields.com to follow along because then you guys will be the first to hear about these exciting projects that Logan's got coming up. Thanks for being on the show, Logan. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to keep in touch and maybe we'll hear back from you, from you again on the show in the future. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, man. All right. Thanks. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.